Amen, amen, amen. Gosh, I hope you are glad and excited to be in the house. Lord, if you are not happy to be here, it's going to be a long day for you because I'm real happy to be here, okay? So I want to welcome you to church today. Welcome to a place where you are loved and where you are believed in, no matter where you find yourself. No matter how you feel about yourself, you are loved and believed in. And listen, you are not alone. You are loved by God and by the people around you. We love you. And let me tell you, that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. That's right. If you missed last weekend, that's our call out, getting God's truth into who we are. And you're not just alone individually, but you are not alone at your campus right now. We are linked up, all of our campuses and churches across the state of Tennessee. Can we welcome our church family from Bristol to Guy Behind Bars? What a great day. What a great day. Hey, I'm telling you, God is moving. And I don't know if you're experiencing it as you press in. Literally, this week, I can't share the details yet. I got to be a part of a miracle as a, as a family is calling me from the hospital. And pastor, they don't know what's wrong. And we prayed. Then they called back and they said, hey, all the things that they thought were wrong, those aren't wrong. And just God is moving. And I just pray. I pray that you are taking every opportunity to talk and walk with God and be used by God. This year, we're not going to try to feel our way into actions, but we are going to act and obey our way into feeling God's presence and filling the world with God's kingdom, with God's presence. Now, we're taking some actions all together as a church, but just a couple that I want to encourage you this morning. First, we have our prayer gatherings online on Mondays at 1230 and Thursdays at 830, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. These have been great. Actually, uh, we got a message from one that was was just so beautiful. A, a, a mom sent in this picture and said, hey, this is the first prayer gathering I got to be a part of. I put my kids down, I'm eating a burnt quesadilla, which if you're fasting, that's the best looking quesadilla you've seen in years, okay? I lost it, but I asked for forgiveness, okay? So I just love people gathering as families or you're gathering at work and praying for and in the world that you are called to win. Hey, also, we're fasting right now. You may be fasting food or entertainment or something like that. Keep pressing in. Fasting is a declaration of dependence on the Lord, taking earthly things out of our life to focus on the heavenly things. So keep pushing in. Last thing, hey, next steps. If you haven't been to next steps, next steps is your next step. Step one tonight at all of our campuses. We'll have child care. We'll have dinner. We'll, we'll have things for you. Your purpose is our passion. So come discover your purpose and let's walk together. Now, if you missed last week, last week we held the lives of the enemy in contempt and we threw them out of our lives. But we didn't just stop there. We filled the places where those lies were with God's declarations and God's truth and we declared God's truth over us. Now, last week I shared some of my personal declarations. And people have been emailing or texting and asking for those. We've posted those on my social media and the church's social media. So go check those out and just use them to write declarations over your life. What God has called you to do and to be right here, right now. Because there's so much power in declaring God's word over our lives. You may have heard this, maybe you haven't, but an early follower of Christ, an early church planter, he would have loved faith promise. Uh, named Paul, he actually wrote this about God's word. In 2 Timothy 3.16, he says that all scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So when you proclaim God's word over your life, over your kids, over your marriage, over your friends, over your school, over your workplace, you are you're breathing out God's promises and his words and his declarations. It is so, so powerful. So I want to encourage you to do that. Family, there's so much freedom that comes from God's word in living out your design. It really is. It's beyond the description of words. So I want to encourage you to jump and do that. Please write your declarations this week. I'm even having some people in my life that I'm praying for every week write out a declaration over themselves. And I'm using it as I pray for them. And so it's just been, it's just been really, really powerful. Again, last week we pressed into the lies specifically that kept, keep us from loving God most. Not some, not more, but keep us from loving God most. So if you missed it in your quiet time this week, take time, watch that message, your time with the Lord, just watch that. It really is very, very powerful. Today what we're going to do is we're going to cross-examine our lives to see where we stand when it comes to something, again, very specific to loving people. So let me ask you, in your seat, in your season, how well do you love people? Now, just thinking about a courtroom and stuff like that, if, if you were to hook me up to a lie detector test and ask me which one is easier to love, God or people, it may change sometimes, but by and large, usually I'm going to feel like God is a little easier to love just because of the life that I have lived, but I know that is not where everyone stands. However, we will all have to take the stand before Jesus and answer how well we loved people throughout our lives. That will be something that Jesus is very, very passionate about. And I'm just telling you because it's in the Bible, that's the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God, it matters. While Jesus was on earth doing ministry, he testified with his words and his actions that loving people was of the highest priority. And there are so many places that we can look at to highlight that. But I believe that one is so special. And I believe it's going to impact our lives from this moment forward. We won't be the same. And so we'll be in John 13 today. If you have your Bible or if you're going to look at it on an app, go ahead, go to John 13. Just hold it open. And we're going to talk about some different things that happened in that passage. Now, allow me to set the scene for you. Can I be honest? Sometimes I do feel like a lawyer up here, and you guys are the jury, and you're trying to decide if you're going to do what God has said or not. And so, jury, can I just set the scene for you in God's Word? Jesus having his last meal with his disciples, with his best friend. And Jesus knows that in a matter of hours, he will start heading towards the cross. Now, we're going to be a little bit down in John 13, but towards the beginning of John 13, Jesus has already washed the disciples' feet. Now, you may have heard of that before, but let me tell you why it was such a big deal. It was custom that when people come in from, from outside to have a meal, that their feet would be washed by a servant or somebody who was their job. They didn't have closed-toed shoes. They didn't have concrete. They didn't have cars. So they're walking in streets where animals are making messes, where it's muddy, it's nasty. And so when you come in, but not just that, listen, whenever they would eat, they wouldn't sit at a table with their feet under it. Usually they're sitting like this right here with their feet out, and there's somebody right there next to their nasty feet. 
And so get, having your feet washed before the meal was a big, big deal. Let me tell you, every man in that room knew the feet should have been washed. They all grew up Jewish. They all knew we're about to have an important meal. We're about to have a Passover meal. And you know what? None of them stood up and said, I'll wash the feet. Not one of them. But Jesus did. Do we ever feel like we don't have to, we shouldn't have to love or serve others? I don't, want, I, I don't want to be the one to do it. I've had a long day, all this kind of stuff. Jesus starts this dinner by washing their feet. You know, in that same chapter, think about this. In that same chapter that Jesus washes their feet, he sends Judas out to betray him. Somebody who's been with him for years says, go and do what you must do. I'll be honest. This isn't turning out to be an ideal Last Supper for Jesus. If it was your birthday dinner, I don't think you'd be very happy. However, after Judas leaves, Jesus gives some of the most impactful and intimate teaching literally in the whole Bible. But don't forget where Jesus is in this moment. Don't forget where his heart is. Guess how Jesus at this Last Supper begins to plead with the disciples, plead his case, to live like Christians, to live like the kingdom is coming. He, said, he starts this dialogue, this conversation in John 13, verses 34 and 35. And this is what Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, that's one of the biggest two-letter words in all of the Bible, if you love one another. Hey, not because I say it, because Jesus says it. This is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. What a powerful passage. Some of us already may feel the gavel of God's truth coming down on the ways that we're loving the people around us. But it's not of judgment, it's one of challenge. So real quick, let's hit verse 35, the second verse real quick. And, and it says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So sometimes it's easier to zoom out and then zoom in. So let's zoom out first, just, just to get a bigger picture of where our nation, our communities are. Are Christians known for how they love people around them? Is that what we're known for? Are we more known for our social media posts? our judgment, our hypocrisy. What are we more known for? Now, now it's a little easier when we look at everybody. Now let's zoom in. What about me? What about you? Are you known? Are you known for how you love those around you? Not those around you as in the ones that look like you, sound like you, live in your home, but the ones that don't vote like you, don't talk like you, don't see the world like you see them because Jesus didn't delineate. He said, love those around. The ones I bring to you, you love them. Now, I do not want you to feel condemned. I do not, I do not want you to feel like, oh, gosh, he's going to beat me up. Here's what I need you to do, man of God and woman of God. I, I, I need you to step up in this. I don't want you to feel condemnation. I want you to feel challenged. I don't need you to go inside your turtle shell and hide from the rest of this message. I need you to come out. I need you to put your shoulders back 
and say, this is what I should be known for. Listen, the church, this is what we should be the best in the world at. This is what we should be known for. Listen, if we're not loving people Monday through Saturday, what are we doing? Because if we're not, we're not following Jesus, I'll tell you that right now. Listen, the, the church, Christians without love for people, is like Chick-fil-A without chicken. It's like UT without orange. It's like Dollywood without mullets. It's just not how it was designed. I'm sorry, I love Dollywood. And I'd have a mullet if my wife would let me. I promise you I would. But listen, it's not how we were designed. We were designed to love people. And if you don't love people, you will always feel like something's missing. You were designed to love God and to love people and to live your life that way. And if you're not, you'll always be anxious. You'll always be depressed. You'll always be unfulfilled. You'll always wander. You're not made to wander. You're made to march. You're made to win the world. Also, I want to challenge you because this matters to God. Listen, there's not a question in my mind because it is in Scripture that we will all stand in judgment before God one day and give an account for how we lived our lives. And there might be some things that he doesn't ask about. I don't think he's going to ask about UT's record. I don't think he's going to ask about some of those things. But let me tell you what I know he will ask about. How well you loved my kids that I put around you. So let's pop back to John 13 in verse 34, that, that first verse. And it says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Now, the word used there for new is not new as in like never existed, but it's, it's more of like fresh or the opposite of worn out. So Jesus is about to tell them something they've heard before, but he's going to tell them in a fresh, in a new way. So can I just tell you, maybe you know you're supposed to love people. Would you be humble and lean in and listen for the Holy Spirit to push you to love people more in this time? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So the, what made it fresh and new is when Jesus said, love as I have loved you. For these group of people, by and large, before loving others was a rule to follow or a, a religious box to check off. That's what it meant for them. But Jesus said, I love as I have loved you. Now, this is right before he, or this is right after he washed their feet. This is right after one of his close friends lied to him and goes on to betray him. This is right before Jesus goes to suffer and die on the cross for our sins. That's just the name of few ways that he loved us in this moment right here in John 13. He tells disciples and all Christians to love others as I have loved you. Now, let me tell you something that I noticed, a revelation that I've read this verse maybe hundreds of times. But let me show you a revelation that I had in this passage this week. Jesus telling them to love others in this moment what actually shows exponentially more how important it is to Jesus that we love others. That he said that in this moment. Let me, let me explain it to you maybe in a way that we would experience. If I was going to die for you. If I was going to sacrifice everything, all my money, my life, my time, if I was going to sacrifice all that for you, and then we went to one last dinner, and I had to wash your stinky feet because you wouldn't, and then there's somebody at the table that dined and dashed. They left. They, le they left. Hey, he'll pay for it, whatever. I'm going to go do my own thing. Another guy at the end of the table is texting, and I know that he's about to go deny that he even knows me. You know what I would do at that dinner? You know what I would do? 
If, if I'm about to die for you, I'm going to pay for your dinner. I'm going to be there for you. You know what I do? You better believe I'd be talking about me. You may have heard the song, I'd be talking about me. I'm talking about I. I want to talk about number one. Oh, my, me, my. That's what I'd be doing at that dinner. You best believe it. I'd say, you love me. You remember me. I'm God. You talk about me. And I'd be using my gavel to hammer down the people that just betrayed me and that are abandoning me and that are denying me. That's what I would do at that dinner. Jesus, at his last meal, said, hey, guys, would you please, would you please just love others as I'm loving you? I'm telling you, it matters so much to God that we love people. In preparation for and prayer in our time together, I, I, what I had planned, I was going to add this list of ways that Jesus had loved us. And, and we're going to talk about those and apply those to our lives, you know, so that we can live out, you know, what Jesus said, to love others as I have loved you. But, I mean, well, think about that for a second. What would it look like to love others like Jesus loved us? We could literally spend years and years and not exhaust that question. There's so much to it. But prayerfully, I believe there's one truth that God wants us to grasp that will lead us to loving others like Jesus loved us. Just, just, just think about this. Please think about this in your life. Jesus loved others with the love that he got from God, not with the love that he got from others. Jesus loved the power of love in his life came from his loving relationship with his father, not from the love that he needed from other people. And hey, listen, that's the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Hey, at that last meal, those guys were being prideful. They were betraying him. The leader of the group, Peter, was about to deny that he even knew Jesus. And Jesus knew all that. Yet Jesus loved them and was selfless to tell them, to beg them, to ask him, love others as I have loved you. Where did Jesus get that kind of love? Where did Jesus get that kind of selflessness? Because I'll be honest, I have, I have been selfish with way less circumstances. I have been Zach-centered with nothing bad going on. I have been Zach-centered, other or self-focused, just thinking that bad things might happen. Yet Jesus, with things pressing down on him, where did he get that love to give? It was from God. Listen, when they were selfish, God was selfless and loved Jesus. When the people around Jesus, when they were abandoning Jesus, God wasn't abandoning Jesus. When they were denying Jesus, God was confirming Jesus' mission. Are you feeling, is the Holy Spirit speaking in your life, the difference in power and in consistency and selflessness and impact that you could walk with, powered and charged and propelled by God? God's love in you instead of what you need from somebody else? You can only pour out of a cup if there's something in the cup. And if your cup of love is only filled by love from other people, your cup will be empty all the time. But listen, if your love is filled every day by the love of the Father, your cup won't just be full, your cup will 
overflow all the time. And our world is in desperate need of some believers walking around with overflowing cups of love and compassion and grace and forgiveness and acceptance and pursuit and prayer and fasting. Listen, for me and you can feel it. That's the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Hey, let's, let's stop for just a moment. We're, we have some more stuff here in a minute. But right now, some of you guys have never felt that love. You've never felt the love of Jesus. And it says in that verse, John 13, 34, love as I have loved you. Do you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you know that he loves you so much? He wants a relationship with you. He wants to have not just today, but every day. He wants to walk with you for all eternity. And maybe you've never accepted that love. Maybe you don't feel like you deserve that love. Well, in, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead for our sins, we will be saved. Some of you guys are desperate for love. You won't find it in an addiction. You won't find it in a relationship with a person. You won't find it in success. You won't find it by checking off religious boxes. You'll only find it in a relationship with Jesus. And hey, we're going to do it right now. We're going to confess that we need Jesus right now. And then we're going to keep going. Right, will you bow your head and close your eyes with me and all of our campuses? And let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I know I've sinned. But I know you came to pay my debt. Because you love me. And you want me. I could never pay. So you paid with your life. You died for me. So I will live for you. Be Lord of my life. Give me purpose. Send me to win others. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed. Hey, if you made that decision to give your life to Christ, would you just raise your hand high? We're not going to embarrass you. We're not doing anything silly. We just want to celebrate with you. We want to give you something. You just raise it high. Awesome. Here, don't be ashamed. Raise it high. Praise God. Raise it high. God is so good. Amen. Amen. God is so good. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. Faith Palms, can we celebrate people who gave their life to Christ today? Come on, man. Come on. Hey, we're going to keep on going uh, for, for a few moments of response. But, hey, if you gave your life to Christ today or in the last couple of weeks and you haven't let us know, Use that little blue card in front of you or the communication card. Let us know your purpose is our passion. Hey, this week, right here, right now, Christians, which there's some brand new ones in the room, I, I, we need as a church one specific action step. One specific action step. The way that we love people at Faith Promise, the way that we love, like Jesus loved, is through groups. That's where we get together once a week and we love each other and we, we make space for other people and we do life together and marriages get better and families get stronger and purpose gets stronger and you build sincere, eternal relationships. I'm telling you, it will transform your, some of my best friends, they're from groups five, ten years ago. Listen, but there's one number, there's one number that impacts the most how well we can love people. And that is the number of group leaders that we have. 
Let me tell you a story, one of the most formative stories in all of my ministry upbringing. I was 20 years old. I was a student pastor at the Blunt Campus. And what I would do is well, I, would go to a, I would go to usually Maryville High School and I, I would have lunch with students. I would work out with a football team and I would come back and I would set up and I would pray over the room and pray over the lobby. And then I would sit on this old brown leather couch and I would look out at the parking lot and wonder, is anybody going to come tonight? Am I going to sit here all alone tonight? And I remember the sun is bright at that campus, and, and I, I can see it, and I'm sitting there, and I just remember the Lord telling you, telling me, Zach, I will always send people if you have people to love them. I'll always send students. I'll always send kids. I'll always send families if you have people to love them. And Zach, if there's ever not more people coming, it's not because I don't want my church to grow. It's because you don't have people to love them when I send them. And I will not send them if you don't have people to love them. That's a promise from the Lord that I've hidden in my heart all my life. And so if we're not growing, I don't wonder, gosh, are, is our worship not good enough? Do we have people to love the people that God's going to send? So we need people to step up and lead groups. I don't know about you, I look around, I want to see more and more young adults at Faith Promise. We need some people who will step up as spiritual mothers and fathers and say, I'll lead a group for young adults. We need more students and more kids. Well, God will send them when we have people say, hey, I'll lead. Actually, let me read this to you. It's just divine. The Lord is so good. Literally, we got this message from, from, a, from a, a student leader this week. She said, tonight while I sat with my little group of precious eighth graders, we talked about humility and what that means. At one point, one of them said with anger and resentment, humility just means to be humiliated. Now, she said, I could look at this beautiful young woman and wonder what went wrong. Why would she think that? Why would she believe that she needs to be known by being the smartest and the prettiest and the preppiest, the most accomplished, the most filled with attitude? I could see her that way. Or she says, I could look and see this young eighth grade girl with a hurting heart filled with unworthiness. A girl who has experienced loved ones who died, loved ones who battled addictions, loved ones who abandoned her, who never loved her enough. A girl who thinks her value comes from the outside because no one has ever valued the inside. A girl who once broke down sobbing in my arms simply because I told her I loved her. A girl who in broken words said, I have never had anyone say that to me and mean it before. You could, you could ask this eighth grade group leader, do you, do you have all the answers? Do you, do you know about predestination? And, uh, and can you name all the books of the Bible? And can you do it? She said, no. But I can look at the hearts of the people that show up every Wednesday. And I can love them. Listen, me, 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 we, we, my family's so passionate about this. And what we've done is we've made our life so self-centric that we don't have time to disciple other people. And that is a tried and true recipe for the favor of the Lord to leave this church. That will not happen. What we need, men and women of God, to say, I'll lead. I'll lead a group. I'll do it. Hey, we're going to train you. We're going to equip you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to check in with you every week. Because your purpose is our passion. 
And we want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we have one more. I'm going to pray for us. Hey, here's, what, here's your action step. If you're wrestling with being a group leader or you know right now, you know that you know that you know you're supposed to lead a group. I want you to touch that little blue disc. I want you to go to the group's deal. It's a short little thing. Fill it out. Say you're interested in being a group leader. And we're going to call you. We're going to train you. We'll have groups pass in the lobbies. We need leaders who will lead, who will love, and who will sacrifice for other people. Can I just pray for this moment? God, I want to come before you right now. And people are wrestling. Holy Spirit, I pray you put the helmet of salvation on people right now. That he, they wouldn't hear the lies, the rumors of the enemy. But God, they would, they would feel breakthrough. God, that they would know, that they would know, that they would know. You have calling them to lead a group. You are calling them to make an eternal impact. You are calling them to make more seats for more souls in their living room, at Panera, at Starbucks, wherever it might be, so that they can love on people, love on students, love on kids, love on adults, love on young adults. Come on, Lord, please just draw people in, let them step out, take a chance their life. Will never be their life will never be the same as they start serving you, seeing supernatural impact. God, we love you. Please, God, move us. In your name we pray. Amen. If God's calling, He wants you to touch that disc and let's go together. Hey, one more thing, and then there's some of you who you've never led, and you know you're being led to. There's some of you you've been the same group for five, ten years. It's time, right? More seats for more souls. Hey, we're about to have a time of response because we need to love people. We, here's what we can do. We can love like the world loves and only see worldly impact. Or we can love like God loves and see supernatural, eternal impact. Actually, there's a, there's a crazy thing I saw recently that I believe really typifies the difference between how the world loves and how the Word of God calls us to love. Let's watch this together, and we'll enter into a response time. It's like he didn't have any remorse at all for what he had done. You know, he'd killed so many people, he didn't remember who they were, what they looked like. I just couldn't believe that somebody could kill all those people and not remember them. Neither could the angry relatives of his victims who were invited to speak in court when Ridgway was sentenced to life without parole on December 18, 2003. You had said your memory, when it comes to all of the women you took, was gone. Our memory is not. In your words, you said that they didn't mean anything to you, but she meant everything to us. She was a mother, she was a wife, she was a sister, and we miss her. Gary Ridgway sat there stone-faced as victims' relatives damned him and mocked him. He's an animal. I wish for him to have a long, suffering, cruel death. He's gonna go to hell and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway, um, there are people here that hate you I'm not one of them you've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe and it is what God says to do and that's to forgive you are forgiven sir
what will push through the stone walls the enemy has tried to put around people that don't know Jesus, trying to put around your kids, trying to put around your family, trying to put around your friends, will be the love, forgiveness, and grace of God that He has given freely to us. So we're going to respond right now with the absolute perfect song. Here's what I need. We need to pray for two things right now. One, what is there something in your life that's keeping you from loving people? Bitterness, unforgiveness, self-loathing, whatever it might be. Let's, man of God, woman of God, you are not allowed to live with that. That means that God will provide a way. We'll have prayer team members up front. That's fine. The second thing I need you to pray for is power. God's love is powerful. I need you to pray for power, that God's love would move forward in power. That means that people are saved. That means that marriages are restored. That means that lives are different. That means people walk in freedom. The love that you have is powerful and effective and should impact the world around you. So listen, everybody in the room has an action step. Either you're going to pray some things out of your life stopping you from loving others, or you're going to ask the Lord to give you more power and impactful love. And we're up here to pray with you. Can we get bold? Can we move? Can we obey? Make an altar at your seat. Come forth for prayer worship. Stand with me as we prepare to respond. God, we're about to sing. God, you send me. Send us like you did Isaiah. God, we pray right now that you would bring things to our mind we need to get rid of. We need to kick out of our life. The devil doesn't have any power over us. God, don't let him hamper or lid our love for people. And God, give us a powerful love, an impacting love, a world-changing love, where it's not the same because we love, because like you loved us, God, please. Holy Spirit, transform us. In your name we pray, amen. Let's respond. And let's worship.